It is such a joy and privilege to be here. It would have been enough just to come and visit with the Mitchell family, who I love, Matt and Heather, and it's so fun to joy to see their growing family. I haven't had this much time with them in a long time, so that's a joy. And then it's a bonus to get to be with all of you and just to see you and um, visit with some friends and then the added privilege of getting to meet some new people. And thank you so much just for inviting me here today. I really, really appreciate this opportunity to visit with you. And then I also know there are other places you could be on a Saturday afternoon. So, again, thank you for choosing to be here. And I just trust God's promise that when his word goes forth, that it will bear fruit. And so I just pray and trust that in being here, God does, like Nesta prayed, have something that he wants to speak to each of our hearts this morning. And that this time would not be a waste. But just ask the Lord to bless each of you in this time together. I, I did first visit Clearfield 17 years ago, and I came with my friend Jennifer White, and Jen's mom is here this morning, so thank you, Peggy, in particular, for coming. Uh, it was a wonderful introduction to Clearfield, and uh, through Jennifer, I got to meet some of her friends, and that's how I became part of the tag team. did that for a summer, and then the Lord opened the door for me to come here full time to work there, and at that point, I became friends with Pastor Matt and Heather. I actually just lived a few houses from them in Bigler my first summer here. So enjoyed meeting them and then becoming part of this church family. I left uh, to go to China. After three years of being here, I went to China. Okay. So I came here 17 years ago. I stayed for three, and then I left. And my memory, I have many memories of my time here. It, feels, it felt like even though I was here for three years, it probably felt like ten in terms of what God was doing in my heart during that time. And I'm hopeful that there was some long-term fruit in working with the Tag Crossroads Ministry. But the Lord really did a lot of work in my heart and in my life during that time. And uh, I just remember I lived right near the fairgrounds, um, if you know where they are in Clearfield, and I lived about a block away. And I remember just I lived in this little house and praying over and over again, and even walking the track around the, the field, the fairgrounds, just praying and asking God, what's your will for my life? What do you have for me? Laying my desires before him. I had hopes. Even before I came to Clearfield, I had been asking the Lord if there would be something in missions that he would have for me, but I didn't know how he would open that door. And uh, when I look back on the past 14 years, I have just seen God be very, very kind to bless so many of the desires of my heart in that time and so many of the prayers that were on my heart in that season. So as I was preparing or reviewing my notes again this morning, I was thinking I wanted to specifically encourage any young people who might be here, anyone, I don't know if there are high schoolers or young singles here who might be in that season that I was in when I lived here, asking God, what's your will you know, what do I do with this desire to be married if I'm not dating anybody? Like, what, where do I go from here? Just to encourage you, God's faithfulness, uh, as you bring those desires and those prayers before him, um, just to remain in him and take the next step and trust him to be faithful. Over the last 14 years, I did. I got to go to China and spend some time there. Uh, I've been blessed to meet my husband, Scott, who has been a longtime family friend. I had known him since we were young, and then we remet in China. And again, as I was trying to figure out at that point, do I continue with language study in China or do I teach at the international school? God interrupted my plans and brought Scott into my life. And 
we moved back to the States. But even with that, I saw again those two years that I had in China better equipped me to love my husband who had lived in China for 10 years, and that was a significant part of his experience. So all these different things God has, has used us. And then he's blessed us. Again, another desire on my heart was I would love to have a family someday. didn't know how that was going to happen when I was here. And the Lord has blessed us with four beautiful children, and we're so thankful for each of them. My son Elijah is nine and a half, and John Luke is seven and a half. Silas just turned five, and um, he's very excited about that. He counted down for his birthday more than 100 days. We were counting down until his birthday. It was a really big deal. And then Selah is two and a half. And I know some of you knew she was in the hospital last week. Again, in God's kindness, I prepared my notes for this talk on a Saturday three weeks ago. The next day, Selah has hypoglycemia. Her blood sugar dropped dramatically. So in the past couple of weeks, we've had to do a lot of care for her. But I'm just thankful again that the Lord carved out this time. He's been faithful. Selah's doing better. We were able to make the trip. And, um, but I know some of you were praying for her, so thank you. You were one of those people. And then I got to be a pastor's wife for a short time, which is something that I always hoped to do. And Scott was a pastor for part of our marriage, and that was a blessing. And then recently, with Loving My Children, my background is in literature, and I've always enjoyed reading, always enjoyed writing. And when I was in Clearfield, there were a couple opportunities to do some editing and writing. And again, I was praying, Lord, how would you use this? Is this a direction for me? And again, the Lord let me get to write a book. So just a lot of blessings in the past 14 years. But these years have also brought trials and challenges. And there have been ministry changes. My husband was a pastor for a short time. And even though he continues to serve faithfully in leadership at our church, he's not in vocational ministry right now. So there have been seasons um, where we've tried to figure out what's his calling, what does the Lord have for him. He was laid off in February. So this has been our longest stretch with him having a season of unemployment. So that's been a challenge. There have been significant health issues involving our children, like I just mentioned, Selah. But five years ago, our son Silas was diagnosed with a genetic disease, and then Subsequently, we had all of our children tested and found out that three of our four children have the same genetic disease, and it's one that progresses over time. So as they get older, we don't know what the progression of this disease would be. But again, it's God's kindness to let us know when they're young so we can do as much as possible to protect them along the way. But these have been some of the trials and challenges that I wouldn't have expected but have come. And I don't know about you, but I have found myself living in 2 Corinthians 4 recently, uh, where it talks about, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I've been afflicted or crushed, but these things aren't overwhelming. And just been thankful that the Lord sets the boundaries for the trials that he allows in our lives. In Psalm 16, David talks about, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I'm thankful. Sometimes those boundary lines can feel limiting, but they can also, they're, they're protection also from other things that God is not allowing. He only lets those trials go so far. He sets the limits to them. But I would imagine if this is my experience, there have been blessings, there have been joys, there have also been trials, there have been challenges, so that's probably your experience also. And if you look back over the past 15 years, you probably have things that could even come to mind, maybe marriages, births, deaths, children graduating from high school or university, um, 
just things that have happened in your lives, things that have been challenging, things that have been joyful, and maybe even some of those things happening simultaneously. Maybe I just think the blessing just in our local church right now in the past week, the blessing of living life in community with other people and the different seasons that people are walking through at the same time. My dear friend Mary Bath had a beautiful baby this week. Nathaniel was born. And then my friend Helen, her husband's father, passed away. And those things are happening at the same time. And we're in these different seasons and these different things. But we have the blessing of being able to walk through these trials and challenges together. And I love the theme for this event is falling into fellowship as seasons change, summer into fall, fall into winter. We're right here in this transitional season. Fall is moving from the warmth to the cold. And um, we, I, I love that picture because really in all the seasons of our life, wherever we've been, wherever we are, wherever we're going, God promises to be with us. And the fellowship that he invites us to is fellowship with himself and also fellowship with one another. It's really a privilege to walk with God in all of these seasons. So the title of my talk this morning, that's kind of a background to where I've been, catching up with those that I do know of you and also for those who don't know me, it's kind of where I've been over the last few years. Uh, The title of my talk is Fruitful Friendships. And I want to share with you some of the blessings of biblical friendships in the different seasons of my life and also encourage you to cultivate fruitful friendships as well. So Nesta already prayed for us, but I'm going to pray again because <laughs> we can never have too much prayer just as I dive in again to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Lord, I thank you for each of these ladies. I thank you for this time that you have carved out. Again, we could have been so many different places, and you have brought each woman here. And whether they chose to be here, and um, it's an evidence of your grace, if you have put the desire in their heart to be here, Lord, that's you at work in their lives. Or maybe they don't want to be here and they feel obligated to be here or someone um, really is asking them to be here. I just pray that you would take, um, just meet us where we are. I pray for your peace in this time. I pray for hearts that would be quiet and listen to what you want to speak to each one of us. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here. We thank you that you are a faithful God, that you are a God who loves his children, loves his daughters, and I pray that you would have a word of encouragement for each woman here this afternoon. So thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for being with us. Um, I just pray that you would you would speak. In your name, Jesus, amen. In his kindness, God has blessed me with friendships. With older, and I use that word hesitantly, but when I say older, I'm thinking more experienced. So sometimes I'll use that interchangeably. But with more experienced women godly, wiser women in my life in each season of my life. And that's his gift. Gay Haugen was my youth leader's wife in high school. Kathy Kathy Hinton led a Bible study while I was in college. I can look back in each season and see there was someone that the Lord had that I could look to, and that was such a blessing. When I was in Clearfield, that person was Heather Mitchell. And many of you know and love Heather as a friend, but I I just want to share what a blessing and how the Lord used her in my life while I was here. I experienced mercy from Heather the very first time that we met, and I loved her for it. (laughs) Because I did something, I said something immediately that I shouldn't have said, and she immediately forgave me, and it was immediately like, that's the gospel from our first encounter of friendship. And that has always been my experience when I've interacted with Heather. 
I needed a friend who wasn't in my tag team crossroads circle. If you know anything about them, they do a lot together. They live life together. But I need somebody who wasn't a part of that that I could go to and somebody more experienced. I was fresh out of college trying to figure out what I was doing in doing parachurch ministry, trying to figure out God's will for my life. Heather was married. She was confident that God had called her and Matt to this community and to serve in Pennsylvania, and they were beginning a family. So she was a few steps ahead of me. She was more experienced in some of these things. I'm from New Jersey, which sometimes feels like a different country from Pennsylvania, (laughs) and Heather is from Canada, but we were sisters and are sisters in Christ. And probably because of her, from the very beginning, our friendship was intentional and purposeful. We spoke truth to one another. We talked about the Lord. We talked about what we were learning in the Bible. And we prayed together. And we also served one another. Heather would often counsel me and listen to me. (laughs) I feel like that's what everybody always does for me. (laughs) But I had opportunities to babysit her daughter, Robin. And so we were able to serve each other in different ways. There was fruit in this friendship. I would, ha- I would leave my time with Heather feeling refreshed, encouraged, challenged to know, love, and follow God more. And there was also, not just in that immediate season, but there's been long-term fruit of spending time with Heather and also Matt often in shaping my theology, in shaping which church my husband and I family go to now, watching Heather enjoy her marriage, instructed and prepared me to love my husband, Scott, and seeing Heather, parent, children, even before children were in the picture of my life, has influenced, and I still think of things, influenced my parenting style and my goals. So I offer that as an example of a fruitful friendship. So when I, there are many different kinds of friendship, but I want to talk today about a fruitful friendship, a friendship that has gospel purpose and gospel fruit. So what does it mean to cultivate a fruitful friendship? Well, I want to think talk about what it means to cultivate. And again, since I have small children at home, I went to a children's dictionary to get my definition of cultivate. There are three definitions listed. One, to make fit for growing plants by plowing, weeding, or adding fertilizer. Two, to plant and to help grow. Three, to help grow and develop. So I would imagine, how many of you are gardeners, or at least enjoy gardening? You don't have to be a professional gardener. Yeah, many of you. My mom loves to garden. I'm not a gardener. When I lived in Clearfield, my mom came to visit me, and she planted a garden for me. <laughs> so I would have flowers, and she spent time in my garden. So every time I looked at the garden, I could think of my mother. But I love to go to her yard and enjoy her flowers. I don't find time to do that right now in this season of my life. Um, But gardening involves cultivating the ground and getting it ready. You have to break up the soil. Um, You have to weed and get rid of what's there ahead of time. You have to add things that will help the plants to succeed in growing to maturity and bearing much fruit. Um, So to apply that image to friendship, a fruitful friendship is going to require good soil, soil that's ready to grow. It involves weeding out things that would be harmful. So there are things you don't want to be in a fruitful friendship. And it needs to be watered and cared for to bear lasting fruit. So there are three questions that I want to address as we look at a passage of Scripture. The first one is, why should you, why should we cultivate a fruitful friendship? Why should we do this? Two, with whom should we cultivate a fruitful friendship? Three, what should you talk about in a fruitful friendship? 
So I'll just repeat them again, and then we'll go through them. One, why should you cultivate a fruitful friendship? Two, with whom should you cultivate a fruitful friendship? And three, what should you talk about in a fruitful friendship? So I want to focus our study on Titus 2, verses 3 through 5, and 11 through 14. If you brought your Bible, feel welcome to turn there because we're going to park there for a little while. But I'll try to read slowly the first time through and maybe just listen and try to get the context. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's Titus 2, um, 3 through 5 and 11 through 14. We're going to study this passage backwards. So we're going to start at the end rather than the beginning. And I'm going to start with that first question, why should I cultivate a fruitful friendship? And the reason I'm doing that is there's no point in trying to do this if we don't know why we're doing it. We need to answer why if we're going to have motivation for doing this. And the reason is that the gospel motivates a fruitful friendship. The passage I read ends in verse 14 with the gospel. And I was counting the words out this morning, and it's 10 words, so I'll use my fingers. Again, I'm a mom, so we do things very simply. But the first word, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. I'll do it again. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So starting with Jesus, Jesus Christ. Philippians says that who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we're talking about Jesus Christ, who is God, who became man. He gave himself for us. So this is Jesus, God who became man. Who are we? We are sinners. So he is perfect. We are sinners. He gave himself for us. This is the, that fancy word, theological word, propitiation. <laughs> he took our sin when he died on the cross in our place. So the penalty of our sin, we deserve to die. And Jesus died in our place. And the reason was to redeem us. This is God's plan to rescue and save sinners from all lawlessness and to purify people for his own possession. Um, the gospel, the good news of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, impacts everything else that we do. God did not design us to be compartmentalized. 
It's not as if we live one part of our life over here that's our Christian life, and we go to church, and we pray, and we read our Bible. And then over here, we have our family life and our home life, and we have our work life. We have our social life. God designs the gospel to speak into each of those areas of our life. So in a room of ladies this size, I don't assume that everyone has heard the gospel. That just wouldn't be right given the culture that we live in. So if you have never heard or believed the gospel, there's an invitation right there in Scripture for you this morning. It's an invitation from God's Word, and if you hear nothing else, I'd want you to hear this. This invitation is right there. This is from, from that passage in Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. God's Word is bringing an invitation for salvation to you today. So if you hear nothing else, I'd want you to hear that. If you are a Christian and you believe and love the gospel, it should motivate everything that you do. It should motivate everything that I do, including our friendships. The gospel tells us why to pursue fruitful friendships. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for Jesus. Fruitful friendships, friendships with gospel purpose and gospel fruit, are going to help us to renounce ungodliness, and they're going to help us renounce worldly passions. They're going to help us live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. These are the friends that when we spend time with them, we leave wanting to know and love God more. Our faith is deeper and stronger. We care more about things that matter and less about things that won't last. Um, And what does that What does that have to do with my book, Loving My Children? I'm going to get there. (laughs) But my book, Loving My Children, has grown out of these kinds of friendships. My book wouldn't exist if it wasn't because of the blessing of these kinds of friendships. And um, like I described earlier with Heather, I'm so thankful for a fruitful friendship with Heather. Peggy's daughter, Jennifer, is a fruitful friendship. Even though I don't get to spend much time with either of those two women right now in this season of my life, There's still fruit because of the reason for those friendships, because the gospel motivated how we love and care for each other. My second question, and again, we're going back to Titus, to verses 3 and 4 now. With whom should I cultivate a fruitful friendship? Scripture tells us who to be friends with. So if you ever have a question, Scripture will tell you who you can pursue as a friend. This doesn't mean you can't be friends with people your own age. There are all different kinds of friendship. It's not defining all friendship. But there's a particular kind of friendship that Scripture is inviting us to. And it's a friendship, a relationship between older women, more experienced women, and younger women. And I particularly say experienced because I don't want you to limit it to, oh, it has to be a woman who's, I'm not going to decide what counts as older. (laughs) I'm not going to put an age there. But if someone, okay, for me, for parenting, if there's a woman who has children in high school, it's going to be helpful for me to talk to her as a mom with children who are in elementary school. That kind of relationship is going to be helpful. Anyone who's gone a little bit before me, I can glean wisdom from. So think, think more experienced. There's also a category of an older woman who has a fuller range of experience, but I don't want you to limit it to that as you're thinking about what qualifies as an older woman, what qualifies as a younger woman. 
this is the kind of friendship that I want to focus on. I'm so grateful for Titus two friends in my life. And again, these aren't necessarily the women who have been closest friends or that I call all the time. They've been people in my life in different seasons. Um, I think of Cheryl, who uh, when I was in China, she was a wife, she was a mother, she was a doctor, she was a student, she was a missionary, she was doing all these different things. But she taught me practical things. How do you make spaghetti sauce in China? You know, from scratch, how do you find the ingredients to make lasagna? How do you make ricotta cheese from scratch? Like, not that you have to have lasagna in China. I know there's lots of other food, but sometimes you want it. But she was somebody that I could go to for practical wisdom. And again, I got to spend time with her children. She would have been a friend in China. Melanie was my small group leader's wife when I was expecting Elijah. And she literally walked with me through my pregnancy. We would go for walks together, and she would push her daughter, Madeline, in the stroller, who was one, one and a half. She would push Madeline, and I would walk with my big prego belly, and I would just ask questions. And I would watch her. I would ask, you know, what do I do about this? What does this mean? And I, I would watch how she fed Madeline, practical things, you know, all those kinds of things. But I literally walked with Melanie. The year my husband attended a pastor's college, we lived with a family. So Mary Ann and her husband and their kids graciously opened their home to us. I learned so much from being around Mary Ann. And again, practical things too. But I do talk about Mary Ann a little bit in my books. And I learned things like how to pull a child aside to talk to them quietly rather than in front of everybody else if there was an issue. Like I just it got to watch her act all these things out in her home. She had schedule for who did laundry what days. That's helpful. I think about that now. But lots of practical things, just living with someone else who was willing to open up her life to me and let me have a window into that. But I also got to see her wake up in the morning and prioritize time with the Lord before she jumped into her day. So it was such a, it's, it was a privilege to walk with Marianne. Kathy is a friend I have right now. And as some of these medical conditions have come to the surface with my children, Kathy has walked that road before me with her children's medical issues. So she's helped me with phone calls to specialists, how do you navigate those kinds of things, getting appointments and paperwork and what do these tests mean. And she's just been faithful because she's a believer to constantly point me along, point me to the Lord along the way. In this season of my husband not having full-time employment, our church has a wonderful food ministry, and Sheila C. Marcangelo had set up. And again, Sheila wouldn't necessarily be somebody that I'm close to, but she's a Titus II friend because I see her regularly, and I'm learning from her and how compassionate she is and her generosity and her hospitality. So there's so much that I can glean from Sheila. My chief Titus II friend through the years has been my mom, who really loves me and prays for me, and I think, you know, as a mom, she desires my good more than anybody else would. And uh, she has that unique input into my life as my mom. There's no one that I've known so intimately and firsthand get to walk through the struggles of motherhood either. I can remember many nights that she was awake in the middle of the night praying for one of her children. I remember a lot of tears. And with her, I was reminded this morning of Psalms where it talks about the Lord storing up all of our tears in his bottles and um, just holding on to those. And she would be the example of the mom, whatever that she would pray, you know, especially for 
my, yeah, for us as children, you know, whatever it takes, Lord, draw them to yourself. And I've gotten to watch firsthand how the Lord's been faithful to her. So I'm thankful for all of these different friends in these different seasons of life. And then scripture, again, what should you talk about in a fruitful friendship? Well, it lays some things right there, lays them out for us in Titus 2. It informs our fruitful friendship. Many of us like to talk. Pastor Matt wrote a book, Resisting Gossip, and he tells us what not to talk about and how not to talk about things. But the Bible also tells us things that we should be talking to each other about, especially as Titus 2 friends. It says the older women should teach what is good, and this implies that the younger women should learn what is good. So we're supposed to be talking to each other, teaching and learning about what is good. So here's a list. Love our husbands and children. Be self-controlled. Be pure how to work at home, how to be kind, how to be submissive to their own husbands. Those are all things that older women can be talking about with younger women. Note to younger women who are here, you might not be married or have children, but you can still be learning many of these things. You can learn how to be self-controlled and pure and kind. You can watch and learn from other women how to be a godly wife and mother someday. And then maybe you're an older single, even if you haven't married, you don't have children, you can still be passing on biblical values to the next generation. There are many things that you could be teaching to younger women. I think just to focus us again, why are we doing all of this? Verse 5 says that the word of God may not be reviled. How we live and how we act is meant to honor God and his word. All right, so how does all of that have to do with my book? (laughs) My book really was born in the context of Titus 2. And that line about older women are supposed to teach younger women how to love their children. And when I was expecting Silas, so I had two toddlers. My husband and I celebrated our fifth anniversary. And um, I just was really, I was expecting Silas. I think I was in the end of my second trimester. And I was really convicted that summer that I wasn't loving my children biblically and wanting to grow in that area. And I didn't feel like it was a season where I necessarily had to pick up another book because, like I've mentioned, the Lord has he's just been very kind to bless me with many women in my life who have spoken into my life. And I felt like it was more that I needed to apply what I'd already been taught than that I needed to learn more. It was more that I had to learn how to do what I'd already seen than try to come up with another method. So writing the book was my personal attempt for myself to synthesize the many different things that I had heard and learned from Titus 2 friends and put them into practice. I had a lot of head knowledge about the gospel and parenting, but this book was born out of my desire to apply the gospel to everyday motherhood. How do I take these truths in the Bible, but specifically apply them to where I am right now? And Pastor Matt interviewed me on his blog a couple of weeks ago and I used this example, but you know, how do you apply the gospel to getting out of the door on time? The temptation <laughs> with small children, you're running late, you know, you want to rush through it and say one of the boys has trouble getting their shoes on and the temptation, I mean, it's just, it's those nitty-gritty, you know what I'm talking about, but it's those nitty-gritty details. Those moments are the moments when you get impatient, when I get angry and frustrated and it's not because my children are doing anything wrong, but it's my own heart. How do I, in that moment, recognize and confess my sin, and instead of giving harsh words, how do I 
apply the gospel and be patient to my son the way the Lord has been patient to me, speak kindly when I'm struggling, and let's, you know, let the gospel speak to me too. And, and when I have sinned, getting them out the door, then how do I confess my sin to the Lord and confess my sin to my children and ask for forgiveness and walk through that process? Like, the gospel wants to inform those kinds of interactions. I use this example in my book too. Again, it sounds simple, but it's, it's where I was. I was so tired that third trimester with Silas, I was taking a nap. And, you know, one of my boys would need to be wiped. I mean, he would be, you know, using the potty during nap time, and it would interrupt my nap time. And that's a small thing, but I didn't like my nap to be interrupted. That was my right. And learning to set aside those things to serve my children, I needed the Lord to speak to those tiny little, those things is where it came into play for me. So that that's what I mean when I say it was applying the gospel to when I get tired of wiping runny noses. We were talking about that before we started, you know. But recognizing I can even wipe a runny nose the tenth time to God's glory. The Bible says that if whatever you do unto others, if you do it unto me, then we can do it unto the Lord. And there's reward and there's blessing in that. So just learning to take scripture and apply that to those details of my life. But it was really the I wrote the book, but then it, that that version of it, I gave it to my pastor's wife, and then it was her heart to share it with our church. And the way she did that, she took my book, and then she asked a couple of ladies who were more experienced to come together, and they led the ladies in our church. Um, they've done this twice now, where the ladies would read a chapter from the book, come together and meet, and then one of the older women would speak maybe 20 minutes, not a, not a long time, but speak about the topic of that chapter and just some examples from her own life. And then we would break into small groups, and there would be a seasoned mom in each group, and they would just have discussion questions and pray. Through that, the book got revised a couple times, and those ladies really tested it. And then it's just been this past year where we've been able to publish it. And I would go back again, God's mercy in the midst of, challenges like I don't think this book would have gotten published if my husband hadn't had the extra bandwidth these last few months to make that happen so even in the midst of a more challenging season the book has come to be and my prayer really it's not like we're trying to I'm not planning to tour around and talk about the book with lots of people that's not my goal but my prayer has just been that the Lord would make make it accessible so that it can get into the hands of ladies it would serve and part of my heart with that is yes it's written for ladies who would have young children and want to grow in loving the Lord in that season. But it's also written for more experienced moms to share with the younger women in their lives. Those younger women might not have time to read the book, so maybe an older woman could read it and then share those truths to the younger women in their lives. Maybe you have children in Sunday school that you're teaching, and some of those truths would just encourage you as you're caring for them that what you're doing has lasting value and purpose and meaning. So my hope in publishing it is really that it would be available and helpful and get to the people that it would serve. At my mom's prompting and encouragement, there's also a study guide available. So that's available for free on our website. So if you want to go through the book with a friend or with a group of ladies, that's available for free. And it's just study questions similar to what we did at my church to make it more useful and practical in a group setting. 
our website is, I think it's inside, it's on one of the pages in the book, but it's www.ferrispress.com. So part of the fruit of Titus 2 in my life has been writing a book. That's not going to be the same for everybody. <laughs> I know that. But there will be fruit for Titus 2 friendships. So even if it looks different, if you cultivate a friendship with gospel purpose, there will be fruit in your heart, in your behavior, in your home. And whether or not you use my book, I would want to encourage you to grow in fruitful friendships with one another, friendships with gospel purpose and gospel fruit. So in closing, just a couple of thoughts of application. One, do you have a Titus 2 friend? And you can think about that. If you don't, I would ask you to consider and pray pray, um, and ask God for one and look for one. I think there are a number of reasons why this is hard to do. Sometimes it, some people just gravitate to this. Other people don't. Some of the lies that come to my mind as to why a more experienced mom might not do this is, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. How can I talk about the Bible with somebody? I don't have a strong testimony. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. Maybe it's a lie no one would believe or really want to hear even what I have to share or my story, my experience. How could that encourage or help somebody? I would combat those lies that are from the evil one, and they're not truth, with the truth that the Bible instructs older women to do this. Through Paul's words, this is God's instruction to you. And God doesn't ever ask you to do something that he isn't prepared to equip you to do. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. My friend Lori likes to say that you are perfectly packed. You picture a suitcase with the clothes inside. You have everything you need for you know, the beach. You have everything, your swimsuit and everything. You have everything you need to go out to dinner. You have everything that you need for your vacation there. Well, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. In his word, he's promised it to you. That passage actually goes on and lists qualities that we're supposed to grow in as believers. And then it says, grow in these qualities to keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It takes back again. We want to be fruitful in our relationship with Christ. We want to be fruitful in our friendships. Younger women have other lies to fight. Maybe the lie that you would believe is everyone's too busy who really has time to spend with me. I think back being a young mom, often new methods look very attractive. The newest book on parenting or motherhood looks attractive, maybe even more so than what my mom did or the previous generation. So I think my own pride or our own pride and arrogance, not wanting to ask for help, thinking we can figure it out ourselves, sometimes can come into play. But again, the truth from Titus 2 is if the older women are to teach and the younger women are to learn. And a learner requires having a teachable, humble heart, admitting that you need help and letting someone know when you're struggling. It means asking questions and listening, praying and applying biblical truth, not just when it's popular or when that's what other peers are doing. And there's a promise. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's in James So if, as a younger woman, you humble yourself and ask questions and seek to learn and grow from older women in your life, there will be blessing to that. If you have a fruitful friendship, be grateful. 
because that kind of friendship is a gift. It doesn't just happen. It's something that God does. So be thankful for it. And be intentional. Dive right in and ask good questions and care for each other. Friendships look different for me in this season of life with children. It's a lot to be able to just have an uninterrupted conversation. I don't have the same luxury for travel or um, you know, coming here. I can't do this all the time. I don't have the same luxury for extended conversations or going out with a girlfriend. So when I get that opportunity, I need to make the most of it. So another thought would just be creative. Uh, make the most of the time you have with your friend, even if it's a quick conversation. Speak a word of encouragement. Speak a word of blessing to that friend. Ask that question um, that's on your heart. Uh, maybe it's just a phone call, an email, a text, but um, make it count. And then I think today is a perfect opportunity. It's already been carved out for us. So we've had time to listen and think about Titus 2, and here we are all together. And I think this is a window of time that God has given us today to encourage each other to hear what's going on in one another's lives. Um, and I just encourage you as we go in to have tea and coffee to be real, share what's really going on, ask questions. Maybe there's an opportunity to pray for somebody at your table. This is a wonderful opportunity just to apply what God's given us this afternoon. I don't take it for granted that my husband is watching all the kids and I can finish a conversation today. So that is a gift. (laughs) It's a blessing. So let's just make the most of that and be blessed, be thankful for that. I'm very grateful for this time. (laughs) So let me close in prayer and then I'm done. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your presence with us. Thank you for the gift of um, one another. And I pray that you would be glorified in our time and that women would leave encouraged and refreshed um, because you are faithful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.